What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's going to be podcasting whether we have the permits or not. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. It's <laughs> nice. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and you may be the first to say he's awesome, but let the record show I'm the second. It's Andrew Armsby. Hey. Or at least it's a silo. It's a picture of me. It's a picture of me. If you're watching this on the video podcast side of things, uh, Andrew is going by his avatar today. Um, so, so uh, it's 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 like I'm talking to a still image, Andrew. I know. Sorry, but you know, <laughs> I, I I assume you'd rather see this than a big old me with bloody nose and bloody it's that time of year. in my nose. It it's, is that time of it's year. It's that time of year when Andrew gets his face beaten in. Um, mm-hmm. By d- Mother Nature. <laughs> right, by Mother Nature. Let's be very, very she clear. She does not pull her punches. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Uh, I shall finish the intro. Each week we chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, excited to do another Sif Pop today. And uh, excited that you're joining us uh, through various avenues. Some of you are listening. Uh, this is, you know, the main way people listen to podcasts. Some of you are watching on YouTube. Either way, we love having you around. Uh, Jay Bourgeois, good to see you in the chat. The Biggest Nerd One says, Sir Dicer, how's it going? And the answer to that question is, it's going well. Things are going well. Uh, Lord Dicer. Uh, Lollipop uh, Shoe says, uh, well, uh, whoop, here on time for the first time in weeks. Not, so. Well, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We were a little delayed by uh, technical difficulties. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, Nathan Riley hanging out. Let's go Sif Pop and uh, Striker Watch uh, here as well, hanging out with us. So yeah, thanks for for hanging out. We've got a nice group, even among uh, the non-chatters too. Uh, so we're excited to talk the Trial of the Chicago Seven, as well as Hubie Halloween. Uh, two movies, both I'm sure, same level of prestige, uh, going for all the same awards, probably at the Academy Awards. Uh, you know, very equal. <laughs> level movies uh that we're, yeah. we're having conversations about uh tonight or this afternoon so excited to get into that of course we've got all the fun stuff that we usually do uh we've got a best ever challenge after we review those we're going to look at best ever courtroom dramas and we've got some buried treasure uh that we're going to get to as well and if you are a sif pop member at the patreon patreon.com slash sif pop uh you can check out our conversation in our members only pre-show uh, we talked about uh, our favorite scary and non-scary Halloween movies or movies that are good for the season. And I shouldn't even say favorite. We just gave a couple recommendations uh, of a non-scary and a scary uh, movie that might be good this time of year. So uh, you can check that out as well. Um, so it's good to be together. I think we should just get right into it, Andrew. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the trial of the Chicago 7. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. And there's no place to be right now but in it. 
we watched for a decade while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. Well, they're going to spend their 30s in a federal facility, real time. We will say, you know, Abby, are you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? In 1969, seven people were charged by the federal government with conspiracy and more arising from the protests at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Uh, This movie comes to us from the wit and wisdom of Mr. Aaron Sorkin, uh, who is directing his second film uh, that he is directing. Uh, I think Molly's Game was the first time he sat in the director's chair. And you know, if you've listened to Sif Pop for any length of time, that both uh, Andrew and I are uh, enjoy the Sorkin. We're a bit of Sorkinites. Um, so <laughs> yep. know that going in. Uh, I personally have watched everything he's done except for the last few seasons of The West Wing, and that's only because I haven't gotten through them yet. I came very late to The West Wing. Um, well, technically, he left uh, well, that's The West true. Wing. That's true. That's so. true. It's a valid point. Um, so maybe I have seen everything that Sorkin's yeah. <laughs> done. Um, but yeah, Sports Night, uh, Newsroom, um, what was the other? Uh, Studio 60. So I've seen all the TV yeah. shows and then Man, of course, Social Newsroom. Network. And he's an incredible writer and we love him. But what did we think about Netflix's latest foray into the award season? Andrew, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I loved it. I really did. I love this one. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about all the reasons why, but we are both in the loved it category on this. Um, I I needed a second watch. Uh, I watched uh, some last night um, again because there are things about this movie that I I kind of struck me as a little bit out of time and almost it almost feels in some way like a like late 90s early 2000s movie in some ways and i needed to kind of readjust my you know my idea of okay am i still okay with with this kind of stuff like um and when i say that i just mean how it interacts with um the emotion of the movie is is very much it's not ashamed of its emotion it's not ashamed of bringing that like stuff right to the forefront. And I guess you wouldn't expect anything less from Sorkin anyway. Um, but yeah, so I had to kind of ponder a lot of those different things. What what did you think as you were watching this and kind of came away from it? Kind of what were some of your first thoughts? Uh, this is going to blow your mind, or it might not. Um, it took till the end credits to remind me that this was actually a Sorkin project. Oh, because interesting. Because so, so much of it doesn't feel like Sorkin. And I'm not talking about, you know, just the cliched walk and talks and stuff like that, because that's not in this at all. But the dialogue seemed, uh, I don't want to say slowed, but there's 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 a there's a rhythm, I guess you could say, to an, a Sorkin dialogue to seem more natural, I guess, if that makes sense. Because it, you can look at an Aaron Sorkin movie like take the social network for example the way people talk in that movie while as fascinating and exciting as it is it's not the way people talk in real life you know right this seemed more natural the 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 way that people would go back and forth talking to one another you could tell you could definitely tell that the people who are speaking are incredibly intelligent that's something that Sorkin always, you know, is, you know, a proprietor of. He always sure. has smart people in, you know, his projects. But 
it seemed like they were real and maybe that's the fact that this is based off of you know you know transcripts you know that that has something to do with it but uh no it it, it did take a while for me to or till the credits like oh yeah this was Sorkin wasn't it like I knew it going in mm-hmm. but as I was watching it I just kind of forgot that because I don't know there's something when you're watching an Aaron Sorkin movie for me like it just it sticks with you the whole time like oh man I love this quick fast-paced witty dialogue you know but this was more natural and I appreciated it it was really good uh, I don't remember feeling that way, uh, mm. but now that you mention it, I think you're right. What's interesting is the like the quick-paced uh, repartee, uh, repartee walk-and-talk kind of thing is certainly part of what I like about Sorkin, but what I love about Sorkin is just the way he uses uh, words, how clever he is, how funny he is, uh, and that is all here like that is a huge part of the characters in this movie so even though they're not saying them maybe in exactly the same way you might hear down a hallway of the west wing you are you are definitely hearing things that are funny and interesting and everybody's you know an ounce more clever than they probably would be in real life um (laughs) which is fine i love that uh but i think maybe you're right i think maybe the kind of the the overall tone and pacing of how that stuff is delivered is different. But then again, I may just be thinking of the social network and Jesse Eisenberg, like Sorkin's words don't sound any, uh, they're at their best in Eisenberg's uh, mouth. Like it's just, uh, he, he, it's like he was built to do Sorkin dialogue uh, in a lot of ways. And some of these performances don't lend themselves to that kind of quick paced uh, verbal uh, gymnastics. Um, thinking specifically of Mark Rylance's character, it just wouldn't fe- it wouldn't feel right if that character was uh, kind of what we're talking about, or even Abby Hoffman, even the Sasha Baron Cohen character. You know, like yeah, there's and I'm I'm saying characters. Obviously, these are real people that they're portraying. Sure, um, sure, and also yeah. characters uh, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's one of those things where I think it I think the best choice was made for the presentation of the movie, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah, um, and that's not me saying that I didn't like those performances because they weren't Sorkinized. I mean, there's some performances in this that blew me away, and some of them aren't even the ones that I was expecting to blow me away, too. Uh, Like, uh, I went into this thinking that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to, you know, steal the movie. No. He's great, don't get me wrong. I loved him. But... Honestly, there's two perform or three performances in this that I look at and I go, "Wow, you guys are good." And that's Yaya Abdul Mateen II mm-hmm. is just killing it. He's so good. The emotion that is just pouring out of this man. Yep. And then as you mentioned, Mark Rylance is just, you know, just chewing up scenery. But honestly, I think the best performance in this movie, that's got to go to Frank Langella. You just you hate you hate hoffman so much Mm -hmm. and it takes a good actor to make me hate a character that much yeah and by hoffman just so we're clear so the jury doesn't misunderstand oh oh, we're talking about the judge hoffman not abby hoffman uh who is sasha baron cohen's character yes (laughs) yeah you you hate his ignorance you hate his disdain and you hate his prejudgmental character Mm -hmm. Uh, man, Frank Langella is good in this. Really is. If he's if he's not as dis- 
despisable as he is, I don't know if this movie, you know, has the weight because he is the representation. He's the face of the justice system, you know, mm-hmm. and what's wrong with the justice system. And it's like, yeah, what these guys are fighting against is real. It's yeah. right there in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great performance as they are down the line. Um, it, what's interesting is if you look at the reality of this trial, which, by the way, went on forever. Uh, so it Almost was re- a year, didn't it? Yeah, it was really an interesting thing to think of the project of whittling down this trial so it felt like a two-hour movie or two and a half or whatever it was. But, um, but yeah, I guess if you look back at the facts, Judge Hoffman was actually worse than he's portrayed in this movie. Like more senile, more uh, judgmental, more racist. Like, the, you know, there are examples down the line of, you know, how how he was, um, how they how they probably backed it off a little bit so that it, it didn't feel over the top. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. that the, the person themselves was uh, apparently, again, this is from reading up on it afterwards, but apparently the judge themselves was so that way that they had to dial it back a little bit just so the movie didn't feel so you know pedantic um so yeah it's it's interesting to to kind of consider that as well and it is a great performance um i i really don't think there's a bad performance here did you have you know any of these performances that you were like didn't enjoy no performances no i mean eddie redmayne's good uh so is joseph gordon levitt but I think that there's a caliber of, you know, greatness that is set by others that they don't live up to. Don't get me wrong. They're still good. Sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I look right down the line and uh, just love every performance here. Um, there are some that stand out. I think we've mentioned them. Sasha Baron Cohen, Mark Rylance, Frank Langella, uh, Yaya. Um, but yeah, Eddie Redman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jeremy Strong. Uh, Michael Keaton. I didn't really like Jeremy Strong in this. He's good. Uh, All of those. I really like, you know, it's just it's a difference of a fraction between uh, incredible and really good. And that's kind of what you're dealing with when you're dealing with these people uh, in this movie. So. So, yeah. What else did you want to talk about with uh, Trial of Chicago 7? I did have one negative for this. And I do think that the the pacing and maybe the the way the story is told, mm-hmm. uh, it felt rushed in the beginning, and then it felt like it was dragging a little in parts of the middle. Uh, the ending is phenomenal. The way the movie you know ties everything up. Mm-hmm. So maybe on a second viewing, I can appreciate the uh, the tempo of it all. But initially, when I was first watching, I'm like, oh, okay, so we're we're here already. I, like I felt like I was pushed into this without you know, knowing enough. And yes, the movie does go into details about everything that went on afterwards. Like, like as the trial's going on, you get, you know, flashbacks and stuff like that. But I still felt like I could have done with more to maybe know these characters at least before uh, the trial started, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, it's a it's a huge ask, right? Because we we have to get it's already right, a long movie. We have to get right into it, and I think he did about the best thing you can do, which is before the title card is a quick interconnected. You know, I think if nothing else, in that first seven minutes before the title card, um, you get a sense for the culture of the moment. You get a sense for the details of the situation. 
And you get a sense for the personalities of our primary characters, right? You don't get necessarily backstory on them or, you know, any kind of depth, but I think you get enough to set the chess pieces on the board and go, okay, now let's play. And I don't feel like I'm completely in the dark. But yes, in a perfect world, maybe you know a little bit more about them. But I, I don't know. I think he, he about did as good as he could with that, in, you know, uh, seven minute intro. Yeah. To bring it all together. Like I said, I'm nitpicking here because sure. it is that good of a movie. Well, let so. me let me nitpick a little bit then uh, with what more specifically I was talking about earlier uh, about this feeling uh, like a movie lost, not lost to time, but in a different time. Um, there are a couple moments in this movie, uh, and again, we're not going to do a Sif spoil on this because it's based on a true story. You can look this stuff up. It's not, you know, uh, all that surprising or unknown. Um, and we're also not going to give away any of the big moments uh, necessarily. But there are some of those moments that feel a little bit over the top and forced. There's a moment involving a, a child and parent that almost felt like it was out of an SNL sketch to me uh, because it was so you, you could just you could feel the violin trying to, you know, uh, play and you, them trying to pull the heartstrings and there were just a couple of those moments where I was like, yeah, man, movies used to do this all the time, but we've kind of gotten used to a little more subtle kind of storytelling, a little more subtle kind of movie making. And Sorkin's just not, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to be subtle. That's not his thing. And so yeah. I eventually made peace with it and watching it again, actually really like it. And I think it's the only way that Sorkin would do this. And, you know, there's the other version is, you know, it's just not, it's not the movie he wanted to make. So I've made peace with it. But if there is a nitpick, if there is something about this movie that I go, this is why it's not an A+, it's that it's a little cheesy. It's a little over the top at times. Am I wrong about that? Did you not feel that at all? Uh, I didn't really feel it, but I know what you're saying. It is a classic way to, quote unquote, humanize a character yeah. as opposed to making them feel like a, a prop. You know, like they're they they're they're a real person who has real emotions and they can feel things. Um, there's a reason why it's a cliche, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm with you on that. I don't know if I would go with the word cheesy, but okay. uh, no, I probably I do know wouldn't. what you're saying. I, I that's probably too strong. I just there were moments I felt like you might as well have people standing and doing a slow clap. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, there it just it felt like a little you know a little emotion ringy. Um, at times, uh, it certainly doesn't ruin the movie, and it certainly is nitpicking because I love this movie. It's good. It's, it's so good. good. It's so fun to watch. One thing we haven't talked about is just how much Sorkin loves dialogue and is able to create such fun and interesting dialogue between characters that there are scenes you just want to watch over and over again because of how it crackles. There's a scene in like a prep room between the Chicago Seven. Um, where they're talking about some stuff that I could watch five times in a row. It just, it crackles. And there are scenes between the judge and the attorneys uh, that, I don't know, he just, he's so good at creating compelling dialogue that I'm just, he just sweeps me away. And this movie is full of it. You know, there are several moments that I can think back and go, oh, when that character said that, oh, when this thing happened. And yeah. I just, you know, that's one of my favorite parts about Sorkin, and it's definitely here. Yeah, the first time that uh, they're all called into that room, like, uh, like 
uh, whenever they're in recess and they're all in that room and they're like, we told you to say this. Why why can't you just do this and stuff like that? The first time that they all gather in that room, mm-hmm. yeah. Besides besides Yaya, uh, they it, like you just get the sense like everybody here knows their character. the The costumes are on point. the uh, The set design is on point. These way that these guys are acting, you know, they're not trying to steal uh the spotlight they're they're all working together to make this one cohesive scene if that's the scene you're talking about which i think it might be mm-hmm. uh that it just makes you go oh i'm in for a ride this is going to be good it's definitely Everybody one knows of them what they're doing it's definitely one of them and amongst the big scenes you have little moments that are memorable right like uh jeremy strong said uh, you know catching an egg and abby hoffman saying now you know don't know what to do with the egg do you and he's like no no yeah i love that <laughs> that is the most i think that moments like that I'm like yeah that's sorkin right there yeah yeah and it's got and it's all over this movie it's all over yeah. this movie so uh yeah i i had such a good time with this i have no qualm saying it's a loved it movie for me and it yeah. you know uh it will be one that i i rewatch um occasionally Our- are you comfortable saying where it lands uh, on your list of 2020? Uh, I mean, I'm comfortable taking a guess. I have not done any of the actual legwork to look, but I'm I'm guessing it's top three uh, for sure. So, yeah, for yeah. me, I think I have it at uh, four. I think is where I have it at. But yeah, right there with you. One, two, three, four. Yep, yep. It's my fourth of the year. Before we so, uh, finish out this conversation, uh, and if you have anything else to say, please feel free. But um, I no did want. Uh, thank you, thank you. I did want to ask what you think is is Netflix going to make some awards buzz with this? Uh, do you think it's going to be? I mean, what a weird year, first of all, of course. Um, but you know, could this weird year be Netflix's time to actually take down the top prize, or you know, who's gonna who's gonna get nominated for acting? Will Sorkin get nominated for directing? What do you think? Uh, it's going to be between two movies that I know of so far that uh, I guess Netflix could technically do a push for both of these movies, but it's either this or Defy Bloods mm-hmm. is the one that they're really going to push for. Uh, and oddly enough, I have them right next to each other. I have Defy Bloods at number three and Chicago 7 at number four. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting year i think that so far i don't think that even though i have higher i have two movies higher than these obviously i have tenet and uh palm springs higher than this it's just because palm springs hit me at the right moment at the right time i love that movie so much sure i don't see that getting any awards buzz tenet i don't see getting it'll get the nominations i don't see it getting the awards now, yeah, I think it is between The Five Bloods and Trial of Chicago 7. Of course, we still got, what, three months left for more stuff to come out. But right now, I think those two movies from Netflix are the front runners. I really do. Well, and even and Netflix has another one coming out in a couple weeks that is sure to be amongst the conversation as well, and that's Mank. Um, so, oh, yeah, that's the, the uh, or Jeff. Why, why can't I think of his name right now? Jeffrey, what's his name? Who's in that movie, Mank? Uh, I, I would have to look it up. Uh, it is a story of uh, Citizen Kane. Um, yeah. And I know it's... Uh, um, I'm trying to Gary think. Gary Oldman of, is who I'm trying to think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gary Oldman. 
And it's a David Fincher movie. I didn't know that was actually a Netflix movie. Interesting. Yep. Yes, indeed it is. And in fact, they've got, I mean, in, and they're not done there. They've also got Rebecca coming out next uh, next week, I believe. So, you know, it's, it's um, man, they, they are going for it. And in a weird year like this, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes down and you know, and and we and we haven't even started to talk about Hubie Halloween yet, which of course is going to make a, a splash at the Oscars. No, it's true. We so haven't. We haven't even mentioned that. Uh, all right, we should do it. Uh, we should close <laughs> up just by saying huge recommend from both of us. I'm sure you probably knew that even before you tuned into the podcast because you know how much we love Sorkin. Um, but uh, it is really good, and I think is uh, better than Molly's Game. Um, and I just hope he oh, can, continues yeah. to get better. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All, in the chat, somebody else mentioned Hillbilly Elegy, which is coming out from Netflix too, which is another one to look out for. So, yep. the year of the year of the the flicks of the net, uh, and we will see how that all shakes down. But yeah, let's move into it. Let's talk a little bit about another Oscar contender, Hubie Halloween. Guy. Hubie Dubois is the nicest guy in this town. Here is some happy Halloween word searches. You can pass it out to the kids. Thank you so much. As a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when your spooky fun gets out of hand. What did you see? The supermarket's selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize her. It's October 31st in Salem, Massachusetts, in a town's eccentric, devoted community. Volunteer in the good-natured object of his fellow citizens' derision and meanest pranks finds himself in the midst of a real investigation for a real murderer. Gum, gum, gum. This is Adam Sandler teaming up with Netflix, as he is wont to do, uh, for a Halloween movie, because that's the season it is. Uh, Andrew, I guess I'll start here. Even before you do the liked it, loved it. Uh, when was the last time you really loved uh, Adam Sandler movie? Uncut Gems. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, I assume you mean a comedy. I did. I did. But no, yeah. that's a perfectly fine answer. But I meant more like one where that he's producing and yeah, you know, with his uh, the Happy company. Madison. Yeah, the Happy Madison production. Oh, uh, I think Happy Gilmore is like. I'm sure so, there's one that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, it's been a hot minute for sure. So let me ask you this. Have you changed or has he changed? No, I think uh, I think the movies have changed. Okay, so you think the movies have gotten worse, not your sense of humor has changed? No, because I can go back to Billy Madison, ha- Happy Gilmore, uh, all of those. Uh, oh, uh, Big Daddy. I did like Big Daddy. Um but, you know, I think th- I can go back and watch those and go, those are great movies. I think Happy Gilmore is a great movie. I think it's a great sports movie. Um, uh, it's just that, don't get me wrong, this is just, you know, real quick speculation. I don't know if he's gotten lazy and he's just relying on callbacks now. I mean, that's what this movie is, not to get into it too- right now, but it- it's a bunch of references. And uh, I think he's doing a caricature of the characters he used to play. Yeah, you know it's it's like memory lane. You know that's what his uh, whole gimmick is right now. All right, I will answer those questions as well. But before I do, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? It's a terrible movie, but I think it's okay. 
Just okay. What a great response. What an interesting response. I like that response quite a bit. Uh, To answer my own questions, I think the last time I really loved a Happy Madison produced movie was probably Mr. Deeds. Um, I did like Mr. Deeds. I forget that. See, I was thinking, you know, there's one that I know I'm forgetting. I did like Mr. Deeds. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I did laugh at that. The second question I would answer differently than you. I think I've changed. I don't know that these movies are much different than the movies he was making then. Uh, they felt a little fresher then. And like you said, this movie definitely feels like there's a lot of retread in it um, because that is part of his shtick is to bring the same people that he loves into a movie to do their own little roles, their own little cameos, and you know to make dumb jokes and to do a, a weird character. This character is very similar to other characters Adam Sandler has done, whether it be the yeah, water Bobby boy. Boucher. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but I do think part of it for me is there's just a nostalgia with those older Adam Sandler movies like Happy Gilmore or um the uh what was what why can't I think of the the one where he was uh, went back to school? Billy uh, Madison. Billy Madison. Um so yeah, so there's there's a nostalgia with those that I think we put a little light on those, but they're probably humor-wise fairly similar to what he's still doing now. Um the chat has mentioned like 50 first dates, uh, wedding singer. I wouldn't, I don't know if those count as happy Madison movies, do they? Um, I guess they kind of do. I honestly have no idea. If um, they are, then I like them. Yeah, I do. I do. I, uh, I do enjoy those as well. Um, so yeah, I just think he's doing the same thing and it's just not fresh to me anymore. And I don't have that same level of nostalgia for him. Um, I, I hated this movie, uh, for the first, I'm going to say 40 minutes. And then it was almost like I was watching Shakespeare. And let me explain what I mean by that. It takes, you gotta. <laughs> it takes me about 30 minutes to watch a Shakespeare adaptation where they're actually using the language of Shakespeare before I fall into it enough to feel like I kind of am in the zone of the movie and understand what's going on. And about 40 minutes into this, I just kind of gave myself out, out to the silliness and just said, you know, I'm watching a dumb Adam Sandler movie, and that's yeah. okay. And I kind of, and once that happened, I was like, "That's kind of funny." And there were moments I was like, "No, that's actually kind of funny." And then there were moments where I was like, "Wait, is this plot actually good? Like, is it? You know, what is happening where it gets to the end, and and we won't spoil the end necessarily, but uh, it does some things at the end where I'm just like, "That's actually pretty well plotted." That's actually, uh, you know, a pretty interesting place to go and has an interesting message to say. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was just because I had just thrown away all my expectations and was just like, we're just going for a ride. Or if maybe this movie isn't as bad as I thought it was. And so I'm kind of with you that I feel like maybe this is a terrible movie. That's OK, you know. Yeah. And, and so I was going to land on actually the high side of OK. I laughed enough. That I'm just like, this is okay, and if you want to just have a good time and watch a dumb Adam Sandler movie, this is definitely one of them. So, um, I know that's not like high praise or anything, but I I was surprised I ended there. It's what it deserves, you know? Yeah, yeah. There, um, I'll say this, there was a, a moment in this movie that got a really loud laugh out of me. A really loud laugh. Can you hint? Can you give me a hint? It deals with a cat making a face. Okay, Yes. Like it, it got. I don't know if it was just like I wasn't prepared for it, but I, I laughed a lot, and it was one of those laughs where you go back and you rewatch that, like you rewind and then you watch it, and then it just confirms, yeah, that was that was really funny. 
but uh, I don't think there the rest of the movie I I really laughed, but I was I was I guess the word is invested, but that's that seems too excessive for like sure i didn't i didn't mind watching it that's the thing like i i'll never watch it again never watch it again but like while i was watching it i wasn't going like oh i can't believe i'm watching this like i i i was okay with watching it you know Mm -hmm. sometimes you're just okay with watching a stupid 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 (laughs) stupid 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 movie. Um, in case you weren't counting, that is seven stupids from uh, yeah. Andrew. Uh, it is stupid time seven. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I just I have to question myself sometimes, and I have I have to say there are moments as a movie critic where I'm just like, you cannot fall into the trap of because it's not for me, and because I have quote unquote grown past it or whatever doesn't mean it shouldn't exist, right? Doesn't mean it shouldn't be there for people to enjoy. And I have to constantly check myself and go, okay, this movie deserves to be looked at on its own merits uh, for what it's trying to do. This movie isn't trying to be an Oscar contender. It's not trying to be anything overly special. And yet it succeeds you know, on, on some of those levels, um, not levels of Oscar contender, but on levels of humor and, you know, what people might want out of it. And I just, there's, I am apt to, as many people are, I think, who love movies, to be dismissive and say, you know, why does Netflix keep giving him money for these stupid movies? Well, you know what? I can tell you why. Because they are getting a lot of views on these movies. And there's no way they give him the money they gave him to produce movies for them if they didn't know the algorithm was showing that people love watching these movies and that's okay. And those doesn't make those people any less of a movie connoisseur, any less of a, a a movie lover. It just means they love different movies and are connoisseurs of different movies than I would be. Um, And so I keep trying to remind myself of that with movies like this. Uh, I agree with you. I want to expand on that a little bit from what, how I feel, yes, you as a film critic, you know, you're not supposed to be pretentious and say just because this isn't an Oscar-worthy movie that it's not worth watching. Yeah. But at the same time, as a critic, you also have to, you know, realize that you're not reviewing for the masses. You're giving an honest opinion of how you felt. And people have to find a critic that, you know, they would align with uh, most of the time, so they would get a better sense of whether they would like a specific movie or not. So, yeah, you can say, yeah, it's not a movie for me, but you also have to say, it's a stupid movie. And you think it's a stupid movie, but it's okay that it's a stupid movie. Mm-hmm. You know? If that makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, I just know that I, I, try to, I, I just try to be very careful to do two things. Number one, if I'm reviewing a movie here on Sif Pop or wherever... I want you to know two things. Number one, I want you to know what I thought of the movie. Number two, and I think more importantly, I want to give you the information you need to know what you will think of the movie. So you can you know, make a decision on whether you want to spend your time on it or money exactly. on it or whatever, right? So, That's what I was trying to say. So there, there are two different things there. And I think this is one of those situations where I go, what did I think of the movie? I thought it was dumb. I thought it was stupid. I laughed occasionally. Not a great movie. What might you think of the movie? If you love Adam Sandler, you're going to love this movie. This is very much an Adam Sandler movie, and it is 
funny and it is the kind of funny that he does it is those cameos and those stupid jokes uh, that i would call stupid jokes but you may just call hilarious jokes so like i'm trying to make sure that i put myself in a place where i can do both things efficiently and do both things uh so that somebody who hears what we have to say knows okay this is maybe what i'll think about this movie um I, in fact, I think if you like Adam Sandler comedies, you're going to like this one more than a lot of the others. Uh, I think it's better than a lot of his his recent stuff that I've checked out. So, than his recent stuff, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it, that's worth saying. It hits all the notes of, you know, a classic Adam Sandler movie. You know, it has, you know, his Bobby Boucher kind of character. It has the the love interest with the VV name, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's Violet Valentine in this one. Mm-hmm. I think is it what her name was? You know, there's been like Veronica Vaughn and uh, what what have been some of the other names that? Uh, oh, I I would not remember, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, they all have VV names. Um, uh, I, I'll say this though, there when the movie starts, it starts off with a cameo with a character from another movie. That one made me really happy. Like right out of the gate, I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm really glad that I get to see this one because it's. I think he does a good job of bringing back like very not unknown characters, but non-important characters. It's not like you're going to see Sh- uh, Shooter McGavin in this movie right. or anything like right. that. You know, it's it's characters that didn't really have a big enough role to where you would think that they're out of place, but. F- He's creating a Sandler verse, I guess yes. you could say. Yes. <laughs> the SCU. Yeah. The SCU, the Sandler Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. But no. Uh yeah, it's 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 a difficult movie because yes, I have to say this is a stupid, stupid movie. I was okay watching it and I laughed. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that's where take that what you will. Um mm-hmm. uh what did you think of the end? Did you like the end, not like the end? I really liked the end. It was my favorite part of the movie. It's a good enough message, but it's just... Did you see it coming? Because I didn't. No, I did not see it coming. I didn't either. Yeah, I don't... I thought that there were enough, like, uh, what would you call, like, uh, uh, like fake, you know, red herrings and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. You know, I know it's not this, and I know it's not this. But not knowing is different than knowing who it is. Like, I've narrowed it down to people... Like it could be, it could be anybody else in the movie except for these people. It wants me to think it is, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, no, it made sense, and there's like a uh, a call to better yourself at the end of this movie. Yeah, that if the movie wasn't as dumb and like ridiculous as it is, I think it would be more powerful. But I didn't mind it. I thought, you know, hey, yeah, they're they're not wrong. It's a very good message to stand by, and we should all adhere to it. But it it was just encompassed by this silly, silly film. Yeah, it sounds like maybe I liked it a little bit more than you did. I uh, think you did, especially considering the ending. Because for me, it was more than just the message. I uh, the ending to me, and I think I mentioned this earlier. I thought we got there in a really a uh, well executed way. I, I felt like the plot by the end um, worked really well. And so I was not expecting that. I was not expecting um, a, like a genuine, you know, not murder mystery, which is another recent of his movies, which I don't think is as good as this, although kind of falls in the same category for me. Um, 
but there is a mystery to it. There's a Halloween aspect to it. There's, you know, almost a horror movie kind of winky aspect to it. And, you know, if, if, if you can combine that, or at least being somewhat efficient at that with, you know, June Squibb wearing raunchy t-shirts type humor, um, you know, like you're going to have a blast. Like, it's just going to yeah. be your favorite thing ever. Like this, I can really see people enjoying this. I thought Julie Bowen was was fun she didn't have a ton to do but you know she was fun um there is a joke with Sha- Shaquille O'Neal that I think doesn't work at all it was the one no. part of the, one part of the movie where I was just like nope that doesn't work um, no it's super stupid yeah yeah it's like they had they had that character lined up and they're like how can we get Shaquille O'Neal in this movie i guess make him that character and then yeah. just make him the joke that it's him yeah it was it was really bad um, I thought Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph were great together. I liked their stuff. Um, I thought they were funny. I thought Kevin James was fine and funny. Uh, the Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider stuff was, you know, fine. Like, it's just, uh, and Keenan's always great. I love seeing Keenan and stuff. I'm not sure what Ray Liotta was doing <laughs> in this movie. But, I guess he was just there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or Michael Chiklis, kind of the same thing, but... Just, I didn't mind. I didn't mind Chickless as much as Leota. Leota yeah. just seemed like he was really forcing that character. They're all forcing that character, but sure. they're all forcing a character that they they have perfected over the years. Well, and I think he's just not. And that's kind of the the that's kind of the theme, right? Is Sandler makes movies to have fun, and he's giving his actor friends a place just to go be stupid and have fun. He's giving them yeah. a place to all, you know, go to Hawaii and make a movie together, and you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, you get the sense that he has taken his success for whatever that is, and his ability to uh, get things greenlit and make movies, and he's just said, I'm gonna have fun with this, and I'm gonna make money with this, and man, I, I, I can't fault him for that, right? Like, no. there's it's kind of envious, right? Of yeah, it. yeah. It's very interesting. I, I'm Sandler is one of those those people that, if nothing else, I feel like he is very confident in just being who he wants to be and doing what he wants to do, and not feeling like he has to prove anything. And then when he does step out of his comfort, well, quote unquote, comfort zone, which I don't know necessarily what his comfort zone is, but when he does do something like Uncut Gems. Then it's special, right? Like then it's yeah. you know then it's different. And then there are all the people like, why doesn't he always do this? And it's like, because that's not what he wants to always do, and that's okay. And so, yeah, I find myself really defending him uh, a lot, even though I don't particularly like the movies he's making overall. So I don't know. It's an it's an interesting topic for me to think about Sandler. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, again, I guess for recommendation, just. Take what we've said, and you know you, and you know if you're going to think it's too stupid to enjoy, or if you're going to be able to have a good time with it, and it's right yep. on Netflix for you. Uh, either way, so yep. Um, all right, before we move on to the best ever challenge, uh, just want to take some time to thank our amazing Sif Pop members at Patreon. As mentioned, we did a Halloween edition of the members only pre-show where we talked about Halloween movies. Uh, we each did a scary and a non-scary. Uh, movie that would fit with the season that we would recommend. Uh, if you want to hear that, all our Sif Pop members get those every single week in your own bonus podcast feed. So you'll just have your own dedicated podcast with all the bonus stuff in it as well. Um, and support starts at three bucks a month. You can check out all the details at the Patreon, patreon.com slash Sift Pop uh, to check that out. And thank you for those who already support and are already members. We really appreciate you. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to the best ever challenge for this week. Uh, in honor of the trial of the Chicago 7, we, as long as the, uh, as well as the website, sifpop.com, are doing best ever courtroom dramas. Um, this is a fairly decent-sized category. There are certainly a lot that, uh, that I like that I won't have mentioned here. Um, so if you have any and you're watching live and you want to make sure your best ever courtroom drama gets mentioned, go ahead and throw it in the chat. And we'll take some of your choices uh, once we kind of do our five through number one. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? What's your number five best ever courtroom drama? Uh, I want to say beforehand, as I was making this list, I realized that there are so many courtroom dramas that people would consider in their top five that I just haven't seen. And I know that either you or the chat is going to mention them. If, if it's not in my top five, it's because I haven't seen it. I just want to make sure people know that. That's right. Uh, but I am going to start off my list with number five with a good old Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, John Cusack, and Rachel Weisz film, and that is Runaway Jury. Ooh. Little, really... uh, little Crichton. No. Yeah. No, not Michael. No, it, no, this is John Grisham. Grisham. I always yeah, get those yeah. two mixed up because they were the two that I always, like, when I was growing up, was like, oh, when's the new Grisham book coming? When's the new Crichton book coming? Um, but yeah. yes, John Grisham. No. Um, this is a, it's a, it's not, like, stellar, like, blow your mind movie. It's a fun movie, though. I think it's really good. There's scenes where Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman are just, like, going at one another, and uh, it's just, it's magic seeing two titans of, you know, cinema go back and forth. And shout color the word the words colored bubbles at one another. <laughs> Color bubbles, bubbles, my yeah. bubbles. Sorry, that's a different movie. My, bu- my bubbles. <laughs> What's your number five? My number five is one you might not think is a courtroom drama, but I think it's fair to classify it as such. Uh, and it's kind of a horror courtroom drama, uh, and that would be The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, and I think one of the oh, reasons, yeah. one no, of the reasons, I, I would. One of the reasons I really like this movie uh, when I don't gen generally like horror movies is because of the courtroom stuff and because of you know the the putting it kind of in the real world in that way and it is it's a movie that makes you think it's a movie that might scare you uh i think it's certainly one you know worth mentioning this time of year but uh but yeah i really dig the emer- uh the the emers the emersism of exily rose uh i really i really dig it uh so yeah one i would definitely encourage you to check out no yeah because i like the fact that as opposed to movies like The Exorcist, where it uh, it makes a definitive statement, yes, this person is possessed. You know, this one adds a little uh, conflict and uh, some maybe uh, doubt as mm-hmm. to what really happened. It's it's a it's a decent movie. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Uh, all right. So What's your number, number four? Four. Uh, this is. I don't know if you'll trump this or not, but I'm going to go with To Kill a Mockingbird. Good, good choice. Yeah, that's in my honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the most famous courtroom, you know, drama of all time. One of the most beloved movies of all time. Yeah. I mean, Gregory Peck is just, yeah, Atticus Finch, you know, I mean, he's, I think if you like look at a list of heroes in movies, like I've seen multiple lists, like where it lists like greatest characters in film, and Atticus Finch mm-hmm. is always number one. Yeah, and uh, I get it. That's all I got to say. Like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, then you've heard about it, and you should yeah. see it. 
Yeah, and you should. It really is. It, it is one of the best and, uh, and mentioned for good reason. Uh, my number four, I'm, I'm already assuming is going to be Trumped because I know how much you love this movie. But at my number four, I had 12 Angry Men. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I figured as much. What's your number three? Uh, I am going to go, I mean, if Daniel Day-Lewis is in a movie, then you know it's going to be in my top list of something. So I'm going to go with In the Name of the Father. Good choice, good choice. Have you seen Have you seen this one? I have, yes. Yeah. Uh, woo! Powerful movie. Uh, it feels a lot like the Trial of Chicago Seven, just British's version of the Trial of Chicago Seven. That's fair. Yeah. This This is more uh, of a cover up scandal by the government as opposed to you know just uh, mishandling as a what I think the Trial of Chicago Seven is. This is more. I can't believe that this happened to these people for so right. long right um yeah i mean you have both pete uh Postlethwaite and daniel day lewis in this that's that's all i gotta tell you that's uh, all you need to know that's all you need to oh and emma thompson yeah those three why haven't you seen this <laughs> that's right that's right yep no nope. good Your stuff. number three my number three is a few good men i have a number two we can go ahead and talk about it well, we would anyway, because then you would trumpet, and we'd go to your number two, and you would yep. talk about it. So, yeah, let's talk about a few good men if you can if you can handle the uh, I, the truth. Uh, I, I I can't handle that truth, but you know what, Aaron <laughs> you you need me on that wall. <laughs> I need you I on this the, review. I watched this yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, and uh, just to make sure that I I wanted to make sure it was right on my list, like right where I wanted it to be. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's shocking how a movie can get better every single time you watch it. Yeah. No matter how many times you watch it, you find something else that you're like, "Wow, that that is great." And this time for me, it was how good Demi Moore is in this movie. Nice. Like like I, I always like Tom Cruise is great, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson's great, Kevin Bacon, uh, they're all great. Even um, Kevin Pollock is great. But this one, I was like. Why have I never appreciated the work that Demi Moore is doing in this movie? She's great. Yeah. And I feel stupid for not recognizing and appreciating it earlier. No, she's fantastic. Yeah, she is really good. Yeah, good call. So this is your number two now. Yeah, and it's certainly um well, I it's my number three, a few good men is. Oh we'll, we'll okay. get to we'll get to number two, but I did want to say this. It's also uh, again, it's a good thing to talk about when we're talking about another Sorkin courtroom drama for our movies uh, to again, remember that he wrote this and it really was his kind of explosion onto the screen as far as Sorkin's concerned. Hey, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and announced the arrival of, you know, an incredible writer. And, uh, and when you see Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson go at it on the stand, you may see two of you know two of the greatest performances of all time but you're also seeing that helped by one of the greatest writing performances of all time and that's certainly worth remembering um so yeah Absolutely. it's good stuff uh yeah we can go to my number two uh i have liar liar at number two i love this movie um, i know you do it is uh it is one of my favorite comedies um big jim carrey fan and i think it really for me was the first time for me that I saw that there was something else underneath the surface of Jim Carrey more than just pulling faces. Um, and 
I I was impressed with that he could both do the this pen is blue scene and then also do the real father son stuff, the you know, the divorced couple stuff and have it feel authentic. And I laugh a lot in this movie, but I think it's really elevated by the relationships that you feel are real um, in this movie. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all it's the best thing in the world whenever Jim Curry does the claw. But whenever <laughs> Car- whenever Carrie Elwes does it, it's just not the same. It's just not the know? same. It's not just the not same. The same. Um, uh, number one. Yeah. So this is obviously where I have 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Talk about it. Uh, it's one of the greatest movies of all time, Henry Fonda. I I don't want to. I'm not going to list off this whole cast, but uh, no, it's it's a fascinating look at uh people's biases, people's assumptions, mm-hmm. and uh, it. I think it's a good uh, and I don't think that people appreciate it enough for what it's trying to do, and that is shine a light on how faulty and scary our justice system can be as far as jury pools go. Sure. You don't know what you're inviting in to, uh, you know, you're inviting in ignorance, you're inviting in prejudice, you're inviting Mm -hmm. in so many things that can... Humanness. You're inviting humans. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, And it just takes one guy, hopefully, all it takes is one guy to shine truth on uh, otherwise prejudice and you know save a life so yeah no i think it's it's and it's also one of the if no i think it is the greatest movie that is set in one scene Mm. there's one room like kind of like Locke is in the car only or buried is only in the coffin this is only in the uh the jurors room yeah, and you know. I go to the I go to the Hitchcock's like Rope and Rear Window, which are single location movies. Mm-hmm. Lifeboats, another Hitchcock that does a single location. Oh, I guess yeah, Rear Window. Yeah, it's all in his room, just looking mm-hmm. out. Yep. But I, I think I just always assume because you see the courtyard and you see all the other apartments. Right. But yeah. You're right. It's it's all from his apartment. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, so that would leave your number one. It would leave my number one. I do also want to mention with Twelve Angry Man, uh, Twelve Angry Men. It is a great. Uh, jury movie, and there's always a jury mo- moment in these courtroom dramas. There's even a jury moment in the trial of the Chicago Seven that uh, is really compelling. Um, and I just, you know, it's our court system is not perfect, and it often gets it very wrong. Uh, but it is it is a nice effort, and the people who serve on juries for important cases, as flawed as they may be, um, have a have a a huge um, weight to what they're doing. And so I, I definitely respect that. And I, I love that part of courtroom dramas uh, when it deals with jury stuff. Um, my number one is probably not a surprise. Uh, the Social Network is uh, my number one uh, courtroom drama. So uh, with uh, with this movie and ooh, it looks like I'm, I'm Jesse Eisenberg right now. That's amazing on the video. Uh, you have to go back and see that video. That was that was almost perfect. Phil. Uh, so that was, that was incredible. No, I love the, I love the social network. I, uh, obviously love this movie. I've talked about it many times, love what it does. Um, and, uh, love the courtroom parts of the social, uh, network as well. So, um, that is my number one. 
So those are our top five best ever courtroom dramas. Uh, let's take a look at some of yours uh, in the live chat. Uh, Devil, Devil's Advocate was mentioned. Uh, that's a good choice. Um, Legally Blonde. That's a great choice. Does that movie get enough attention? That's a great movie. Uh, I think that people even I think a lot of people who haven't seen it assume that it is what it is. You know, like they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's got to be a dumb the the stupid blonde movie but no i think there's some interesting stuff going on there uh the client was mentioned the firm pretty much just the whole litany of um john grisham novels <laughs> that yeah. became movies uh are all mentioned uh inherit the wind that's a great choice uh that's 1960 uh philadelphia uh certainly deserves mentioning i had that See, in my that was one mention. of the ones i had not seen yeah you haven't seen philadelphia yeah, or Primal Fear. Oh, okay. Yeah, Primal Fear was mentioned as well. That's another one. You'd love Primal Fear, I think. I know I would. Yeah, I think that's... There's, w- there's too much going on in that movie, and I'm like, oh, I gotta love that yeah, one. Yeah, I think you would really enjoy that one. I need to watch that one again. Um, so lots of great choices from our live chat. Really appreciate you kind of uh, tuning in with some of that stuff. Uh, I'll we... throw out one more real quick. What's that? From the chat? I'll throw out... No, from me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do an honorable mentions. What other honorable mention would you have? Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, I had that one listed as well. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely worth mentioning. I also wanted to make sure and mention Anatomy of a Murderer, which is uh, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, is that great. the Ryan Gosling, Anthony Hopkins one? No, I'm. That's the Jimmy Stewart one. Um, it's oh. an older movie, but it's it's really great. Uh, Michael Clayton is worth mentioning. Uh, My cousin Vinny is probably one that needs to be mentioned in this category. And then uh, more recently, uh, Just Mercy is a great uh, courtroom Which drama Which I as still well. need to see. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Uh, there you go. So there are our best ever challenge, best ever courtroom dramas. Let's move into the buried treasure, Andrew. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? I'm going to go with an anime. So, you know me. I like One Punch Man. It's great. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a uh, the same guy who created One Punch Man. He goes actually by one. That's what his his handle is. Um, he has another uh, manga that they turned into a show, and it's called Mob Psycho One Hundred. It is about uh, a world where uh, telepaths and telekinesis is real. It's very very rare, and in most cases, it is minor kind of like in uh do you remember looper how like most people could barely like lift the quarter or stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. it was a thing that people were starting to come with well it's kind of the same in this world but uh uh uh, psych or what, what i guess you would say uh telekinesis and telepathy like reading minds and stuff that's kind of prevalent but then of course comes this one guy who is insanely powerful and uh he finds out that uh by unleashing his full potential uh the world that he thought he was kind of ruling is a lot bigger and more terrifying than he imagined that's that's not 100 percent like what the show is about but i just it's enough to get people intrigued nice interesting what was the name again mob psycho 100 mob his name is Mob is an M-O-B, that's his name, or his nickname, and then Psycho, and then 100. Pretty The 100, what that's about is, like, um, 
he like keeps all of his emotions inside and stuff. Like if he ever gets angry or something, he doesn't really let those emotions out. Mm-hmm. He just builds them up. But if that level of emotion ever reaches 100, he physically can't contain it. And this, whatever that last emotion that he was feeling is, explodes out of him in a telepathic, telekinetic way. So like if the last emotion he ever felt was rage, then just like destruction would like unleash everywhere. But if it was like, empathy or love or something then it would be like a healing you know wave that went everywhere interesting yeah it's really it's really funny too uh that's one thing i gotta mention since it is you know a lot like one punch man i do i gotta be honest i do think one punch man is miles better than this as far as like rewatchability and like Mm -hmm. love loving the characters but this is really good it is really good nice uh that is again um mob psycho what was the last part mob psycho 100 mob psycho 100 uh if you want to check it out um i finally got around to watching ted lasso on apple uh, tv plus and this show is excellent uh i'd heard enough people uh saying how much they enjoyed it that i thought i'd give it uh, a chance and uh fired it up and it is just so funny so warm there's a warmth to this show that i really like it's kind of one of those shows that it's just like oh this feels like a really good show to watch right now with everything going on in the world like i want to lose myself in this show uh if you don't know anything about it uh ted lasso stars um uh jason sudeikis as an american going to coach a premier league football team uh in england and it's actually based off a commercial i forget who the commercial was for no it was a college humor skit i think like seven oh, years it? ago it was seven years ago is when that skit came out yeah um so anyhow it's it's pretty great pretty fun have you watched any of it andrew i've only seen the skits on college or if no it wasn't college humor it was funnier die that's where it was it was funnier die so, yeah, so it's it's one of those things where uh, I had finally heard enough about it that I went and watched it, and I was so happy I did, and I would encourage you to do the same. Um, it's, it's very much um, the kind of show I want to be watching right now. So, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, we did it, man. We did a podcast. Yeah, we did. We went through that cornfield, and uh, we saved all those kids that were never in there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Uh, you can find out more about other shows on the network by going to studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for making the show work amongst all the technical difficulties of this week. We appreciate you. Thanks, Phil. Thank and you much, so much. <laughs> and much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members. Uh, for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. By the way, if you want to support, it starts at 3 bucks a month. You get access to all the bonus episodes as well as some other fun stuff. Uh, you can check it out at patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of ways you can connect with us. Uh, you can leave a comment, rate, or review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than dodging televisions while riding a bike. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we may have 
like a plethora of things to choose from. I know the Anne Hathaway Witches movie is coming out, I think, on Amazon Prime. You've got, uh, I, I think Rebecca's either next week or the week after, so I know that's coming out soon. Um, and then there was another uh, big one that, that somebody decided to release on a streaming service, but it's slipping my brain right now. But we'll let we you know. We might have to put a poll on Twitter and see what people want to hear. We might. About. We might. Uh, I think a lot of the studios are like, we got to get these movies out. So. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Netflix is just doing the Netflix thing. So whatever it is, we'll see you next week. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.